1937, a book was published that would forever impact the philosophy of success, money, and personal development. This book was the fruit of 20 years of research and over 500 in-depth interviews with millionaires at the time. The book was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Since its publication, Think and Grow Rich has sold over 100 million copies worldwide. It has found its way in the libraries of the most successful men and women in all spheres and industries. John Maxwell has listed Think and Grow Rich in his lifetime must-read book list. There are countless useful and amazing principles taught in the book. In our next two episodes, we will focus on Napoleon Hill's list of 30 major causes of failure. As you know, failure is merely a stepping stone to success, a rite of passage. In that list, we know you will recognize your own causes of failure. But most importantly, we hope to provide you with the encouragement you need to overcome these in the next two episodes. Are you ready? Let's dig deeper. Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, hosted by certified coaches Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Elizabeth is a Christian life and leadership coach, branding consultant, and busy mompreneur. Sebastian is a Christian speaker, Bible teacher, author, and leadership expert. Together, they help today's committed believers to dig deeper in their knowledge and walk with God in order for them to grow and climb higher in life and leadership. If you want to dig even deeper, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com for more free resources and content. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving on Purpose podcast. If you're new to this podcast, be sure to subscribe. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or go to our website, thrivingonpurpose.com. So, Sebastian, how did you discover Think and Grow Rich for the first time? You have a personal story, and I think our audience would love to hear it. Yeah, I think so. Look, I think so many people have a personal story with this book. It is probably if not the most famous book in personal development, it's one of the fa most famous books in personal development. And uh, my story came from, <laughs> I guess what you could call it necessity. Uh, well, you recall that, Liz, we were in a dire financial situation and uh, we did something that we never dared to do before, which is we began to pray for our finances. We began asking God to help us with our finance finances. And uh, that was something that at the time, that was years ago, we were not very comfortable in doing. I remember feeling kind of weird doing that. I was like, am I supposed to ask God for money? How does, like, how does that work? I, but at the same time, I knew that God takes care of our needs. So I was like, well, I guess I have to ask him. And, and it was kind of an awkward situation and an, even an awkward prayer, but we did it nonetheless. I remember it was a very fervent prayer. We were, we were holding hands. We were, we were very into it. And a couple of days later, a few days later, 
I'm at a bookstore called uh, Indigo here in Canada, which is like Barnes and Nobles basically in the U.S. And uh, I love to go to bookstores. I'm a I'm a fan of reading. I'm a fan of books, and I love to go there once in a while just to you know browse, have fun. And I went in an aisle that I never go in. I never go. I, at the time, that's like today I would go there, but at the time I never. It was not an aisle I, I was used to going. It was the aisle of. Uh, I think it was finances or something like that, business and finance or something like that. And a book caught my eye. But it was more than that. It was not just like, oh, look at that book. I'm, oh, it, it seems interesting. No, it was like, I got, it's like I got pulled into seeing that book. I We're felt like, like a pull. Yeah, I was drawn to it in a way that I can barely explain. So I picked up the book. I read like we all do when we're in a bookstore. We read the back cover, then we browse the chapters and everything. So I was hooked. I mean, I was like something inside me, and, and I think it was the voice of God. I I knew I had to buy this book. And the book was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And it was so far off from the my mindset at the time. What the What is taught in the book was so far off from the way my mindset was at the time. I mean, I came from a very evangelical background where poverty is equated with virtue and the poorer you are, the more like Jesus you are. You know, that kind of stinking thinking. So that's how I thought at the time. But God wanted to, first of all, introduce me to Think and Grow Rich. It was going to be a tool that he was going to use for me to change my mindset. And he was going to use Think and Grow Rich to school me in the wisdom uh, behind success, philosophy of success, philosophy of money, understanding uh, how to become successful. All things that I lacked at the time. And the book, well, did it change my life? Absolutely. And it's the kind of book that you go to again and again. It's not, it's not a type of book that you read once and you set it and forget it. It's a type of book that you read once, you understand maybe 10% of the content. You read a second time, maybe you're at 25%. And you, you, you might need to read it 15, 20, 30 times in your lifetime to actually grasp the depth of what is said in that book. That's just how deep and profound that book is. And uh, another thing I, I, that I think I need to address is if you, if you guys are there are listening to me and you're like, oh, I'm going to go buy that book, prepare to be shocked. There's principles in there. Like I always tell my listeners, chew the grass, spit out the hay. There's going to be things like that you're going to read in the book that seem perhaps new agey or concepts that are like that seem maybe that contradict your present belief system. Don't make the mistake of stopping reading that book because you encounter stuff in the book that you disagree with. Because inevitably, there's going to be some stuff you're going to disagree with. But don't let it stop you from digesting that book, from reading it over and over again. Because what's going to change your life in the book is so much more important than the little, I, I would call it little trip-ups or little things there. Because Napoleon Hill was not a Christian. So I need to, to, to tell you guys that. So obviously, there's going to be part of his philosophy that you might disagree with. But you know what? That doesn't matter. Because... The whole of the philosophy of the book is absolutely mindset changing and life changing if you apply it. And the research that was done, um, our principles that 
you know, exist, that have existed in time and will continue to exist. There are timeless principles of success that, whether you're Christian or not, apply. Yeah. And, you know, when he's talking about higher power, I mean, you know, even if you listen to Oprah or whoever, uh, you know, they'll talk about these things. We all know that translation, it's God. For a Christian, yeah, you translate yeah. it, the universe or higher power or whatever, you translate it as God. And, and, and there's... You have to use wisdom, basically. You have to, you like we as believers, we know better. Uh, there's things that we know that are in the deeper realms of God, and and these things you 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 have to bring them with you when you're reading a book like that or any other book for that matter, and you have to use the good and add it to your philosophy to go farther, basically dig deeper, <laughs> to climb higher. And that book is all about digging deeper. Trust me. Exactly. So let's dig in. Within one of the chapters of his classic book, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill lists the 30 major causes of failure. Okay, and like we said earlier, it's important to understand failure and the different causes so that you can climb towards success. Without failure, you don't get to success. No, it's a necessary step. Exactly. These are the reasons why 99% of people are failing in attaining their goals and living their dream and even failing in life. The purpose of featuring and explaining these major causes of failure is to show you why people fail and to help you recognize and avoid doing the same thing in your own life. So we're hoping you will be brave enough to face yourself in the process of listening to this series of two episodes. We are hoping that you will recognize yourself in that list and you will eventually want to change these things be brave enough and bold enough to correct the situation because we all can see ourselves in some of these points oh you're definitely you're definitely going to recognize yourself in the list and if you say oh i don't recognize myself in 30 in those 30 cause of well you're just not being honest because trust me if you're a human being you will recognize yourself in more than one for sure all right so sebastian number one number one unfavorable hereditary background. Now, the reason why Napoleon Hill put this first on the list is because he says it's one of the toughest issues for people to overcome. This basically means, what what does unfavorable hereditary background mean? It basically means that uh, someone who is perhaps not naturally intelligent, who has a low IQ, okay, They can take all the measures needed to improve their knowledge and become smarter, but they're still at a disadvantage compared to other people. Uh, Also, uh, physical handicaps or or, or, um, maybe uh, hereditary illnesses when you're born with a a deformity or something that's going to be a hindrance hindrance to your success. Obviously, these things are harder to overcome than most others, and that's why it's first on the list. So if you're born uh, with unfavorable hereditary background, yes, it is detrimental to success and it is one of the causes of failure for many of those who are uh, born that way, obviously. And Napoleon Hill makes an interesting case in his book uh, when he talks about a very personal story of his son who was born virtually without, without an ear or ear canal. So he was born deformed. But... It's amazing the story that he tells of how auto-suggestion that he used on his own son helped his son to overcome that unfavorable 
deformity or you know what he was born with and uh, it's an amazing story so when you read the book pay attention to that there's a lot you can learn from that on how to overcome that and um right now i know there's there's a lot of people have this uh excuse that i hear many many times and that's you know I'm not smart enough. I don't understand the things that other people understand. And that excuse is um, is an excuse, you know, that basically they have in their heads that if they don't have the diplomas necessary, if they don't have, you know, the standing, the money, the university degree, therefore they are not smart enough to learn anything about entrepreneurship and therefore they will never make millions of dollars. Yeah. So we're not talking about those kind of people. No, that we're, make we're those talking excuses. about real genetic problems being born at a disadvantage. Exactly. We're not talking about someone who feels like they're not smart enough. We're exactly. talking about someone who really is Forrest Gumpy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know, stupid is it, uh, stupid does, and, 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 and doesn't, doesn't have the brain power to rise above their circumstances. But even the Forrest Gumps of the world can make it. Remember the movie, it was kind of inspiring in that way. <laughs> that guy was a hard worker. And uh, he rose in the ranks everywhere he went. Ping pong, in the army, uh, shrimp boat. Anyway, I don't want to talk about that movie. But still, it was a, uh, an inspiring way to, uh, to see things. Number two, lack of a well-defined purpose in life. If you don't have a definite goal that you're setting out to achieve, a purpose that you're trying to fill, you won't become successful. So you have nothing to hit nothing to aim at and therefore your direction is unidentified so we're you know in another way of explaining this you don't have a de defined purpose you don't have a vision there's nothing that's pulling you in a direction that you feel like i have to do this this is so important for me to do like i cannot not do this and one of the things that we we love to talk about at Thriving on Purpose is purpose. The importance of knowing your why, the importance of knowing your calling, the importance of knowing why God put you on this earth at this time in this present country, situation, gender, body, whatever, to identify your mission on this earth. That's the main thing. I mean, if you find that out through prayer, through thinking, through uh, searching and, and, and asking God constantly, trust me, he will show you eventually. It might take some time. It's not an easy thing. I mean, a lot of people have a hard time finding out why they're here, but everybody's here for a reason. So if you set your energy in finding that, it's going to fire you up. It's going to ignite your soul to go forward in whatever mission you have to do. So a lack of a well-defined purpose will just stop you in your tracks. You'll never have enough pull, enough energy uh, to do what you need to do because you'll never see the point. Yeah. But when you find your purpose, you always see the point. Yeah, and you know, with all those things comes motivation, determination, perseverance, discipline. All those things align with your pull that are easier for you to do in a way because you're pulled, you're driven towards that purpose. Amen. So number three... Lack of ambition to aim above mediocrity. There's many reasons why people might not have the ambition to aim above mediocrity. Whether it's that they're too lazy, too comfortable, too spoiled, or have no belief in success. I was one of those. I, I, when I was young, I was raised in a household that didn't cultivate success mindsets. I mean, we, my dad used to call the rich 
uh, all kinds of bad names that I won't repeat here. Uh, but it, it was just like uh, if, if you, you're raised in an environment like that, obviously it's going to affect your mindset and it's going to affect your ambition. I remember as a, as a, in my late teens, early 20s, I didn't have any ambition. I mean, I was like, well, I just want to find a job because I have to find a job to not be like my dad because my dad was a guy who, who didn't really work for a living and he was on welfare most of his life. So I just felt I needed to find a job to avoid being like my dad. But that was... That was just so low, aiming so low. It was kind of pathetic and sad. And I didn't have mentors at the time who would guide me in, 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 in thinking differently and aiming higher. So if you've never had the ambition to aim higher, you'll never aim higher than average or mediocre, which means, you guessed it, you will never achieve more than average. And that is just another way to fail, right? <laughs> exactly. So that brings us to number four, insufficient education. Now, like I said before, a lot of people think that they need all the diplomas um, to prove that they're smart. And you also have people that do the bare minimum of education where they think, you know, I studied, I got my degree, I did this, therefore, I don't need to learn anymore. I'm just going to do the job. And they pitch their tent there and they don't go further. So they don't, um, these people are never specialized in the knowledge and because they don't study and become more yeah. than they should. And that that's what makes the difference between a really good doctor, for example, or a really good dentist or, you know, any profession out there because they continue learning. They are constantly learning and researching to become specialized and to, you know, become a part of set apart from everybody else in that category. Absolutely. And so you have to constantly be a life learner, like uh, John Maxwell says, to constantly be learning in your field. Yeah. Like he made a mission of reading all the leadership books out there every year. He wants to read new leadership books because he's a constant learner about leadership. There's always something he knows that he can learn every year that's new that he doesn't know before. And, and I like uh, the quote by Jim Rohn when he says, education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune. So the self-education part is where you push yourself farther than your peers. So if, for example, the dentist uh, example that Liz gave is very good. A lot of people will obtain their uh, doctorate in, in dentistry, open up a shop, they're dentists, but they won't necessarily pursue further education after that mm -hmm. so they'll stay your basic dentist but those who pursue further education self-education after they've been out of school and push themselves into reading the latest you know journals medical journals on dentistry going to the conferences uh, paying for the the expensive uh, plane tickets and hotels to go to these conferences where they learn the cutting edge these are the dentists that are going to stand out and they're going to become the best in their fields. And these are the dentists that, for example, are going to make a fortune compared as opposed to the ordinary, you know, run of the mill general dentistry guy. And that applies for any any sphere, uh, any, niche, any niche, any niche. You can always be learning more, studying more, growing more, doing more personal development, learning leadership skills to become the best that you can become in your niche. Right. And that brings us to number five. Lack of self-discipline that's a big one becoming successful as you know isn't easy it takes a lot of discipline every day 
and consistency, working hard at something until you finally start to achieve success from it. There's a lot of productive habits that need to be adopted in order to get the most out of your day and therefore your week, your month, and your year, okay? That's how you become successful. Uh, there was an interesting quote about uh, the, the Paul Martinelli, president of the John Maxwell team, what he said, Liz, about uh, discipline, self-discipline. He said it's the ability... He said, he said it's the ability to give your own self um, a, command. a direct command and a pull like do it applied every day exactly it's the, the ability to give yourself a command and to do it so you give your own yourself orders yeah. <laughs> basically basically self-discipline is becoming your own boss in the sense that you're gonna your own leader it's akin to self-leadership so doing the hard things on a daily basis consistently that's very hard and that's the key between mediocrity and success and you know when we're young we're trained to kind of have this mentality where we're supposed to do a certain thing and if we don't do it our parents you know we don't we don't want to displease our parents or get scolded by our parents and then it goes to the teacher and then it goes when you go to get a job then you don't want to displease your boss right so when people are become entrepreneurs and become their own boss they tend to kind of slack off these things and not give themselves their own rules and their own commands because they're like well nobody's watching i don't have a boss that's a great part of being an entrepreneur i don't need to have a boss telling me what to do yeah but at the same time you it, lose that discipline that you know was in yeah. a way keeping you in line so you have to learn to restructure that yeah. to have success and if you listen to any story on any successful person you will see they are extremely disciplined in their routines in the way they uh, you know organize their mornings in the way that they plan out their days and even the way they use their free time and who they spend it with yeah their relationships everything is decided in advance they are very disciplined. Amen to that. Yeah, no, that, that's the that's the that's the learning curve of entrepreneurship when you first start off. Is the first thing you learn is, oh boy, this is not what I thought, <laughs> because being your own boss means setting um, all the boundaries within which you're going to be self-disciplined and accomplish stuff in your day, and it's not always easy. Number six, Liz, your health. Mm -hmm. So this is a big one, and I think a lot of people don't even realize to what point this is really crucial to their success and you know for me i mean when i started you know entrepreneurship working on the computer um you know we tend to be sitting a little more than we normally would depending on the kind of job you do mm -hmm. and so you have to become very disciplined in what you eat and um the exercise that you do because eventually what happens is you start to feel sluggish. Your body is meant to be in movement. Yes. So it affects your brain. It, oxy it oxygenates your brain. It actually gives those, um, those hormones that you need to actually think clearer and have mental clarity. So if you're thinking, oh, well, you know, I love my body. It doesn't matter. I'm not that bad. I am so focused on getting to my next goal that that's not a priority you're actually self-sabotaging yourself yeah. in a way because um, even if you want to get to that task and you have a big day planned, if you don't carve some time, at least you know three to four times a week, 
then it will eventually, you will pay the price because eventually you will feel more sluggish. It's going to be harder for you to get that mental clarity that you need. Well, there's this, but there's also uh, just having a chronic condition. Me, I suffer, like I'm going to tell you guys something. I suffer from chronic migraines. And um, it, it's something that, uh, that you know, we've been praying about and, and uh, it's improved with time. Uh, back in my early 20s, I, I had a migraine maybe once a week. Now it's more like, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, once a month or something. So it's not as bad as it used to be. But when I do get them, they can be very debilitating. But I have to push myself through anyway because I always have things to do. But it does pose a huge hindrance. And, and that's just migraines. I mean, some of you guys out there are dealing with, with worse things. And ill health can really hold you back from success. And it, it, sometimes it's your fault because you've been neglecting your health. Other times it just isn't. So you have to deal with that. Like Paul in the New Testament had this thorn in the flesh that all theologians have been conjecturing over what that was. But it was hindering him. It was, it was, it was not, because of it, he was not maximized in his operational capacity. And he prayed God by three times. And for Paul, that's a lot of times, praying three times to have it removed from him. And God says, you know what? My grace is sufficient for you. Stop fretting over this. You're still doing what I, what I require. And, and just... You know, focus on me and you're, you're going to be just fine. And uh, But ill health, yeah, it does stop us from accomplishing uh, what we would normally be able to accomplish if we're in full health. Yeah, exactly. And you know the importance because you're doing such long hours, um, a lot of people, you know, that have goals and visions and purpose and they sent long hours for themselves oftentimes to get things done it's really really important for you to to be eating properly and to be taking supplements and things that can actually really really help you to have more energy so if you want to reach out to us we can recommend a few things that we like that we use that really give us a lot more energy absolutely uh, we do have three young kids so you know we're always on the lookout for what what can improve our health because we need it. <laughs> we sure do. <laughs> Number seven. Number seven. Unfavorable environmental influences during childhood. Now, we spoke about this earlier. I mentioned how I was raised and, and the mindset of my, my parents, especially my dad, how that affected me to become successful. And I had a huge hurdle to overcome mindset-wise. And I still do. It's still haunting me to this day. I still have to work at it to not fall back in that old thinking, okay? So what this means, unfavorable environmental influences during childhood, basically it means uh, you're, not, you're not responsible for the environment you grew up in, okay? Poor parenting, bad neighborhoods, uh, born into poor families, etc. that's not your fault. But it's still a huge hurdle for many people to become successful. It's not a death sentence, uh, but more people than not let these circumstances dictate their future. Something can be done no matter what. No matter where you're born, what neighborhood you grew up in, uh, how crappy your parents' mindset was, you can still overcome this uh, through personal development, by the grace of God, by holding on to the promises of God. He can bring you to levels in your life that you never even dreamed of. But you need to be intentional. You cannot let your past dictate your future. Okay, so I'm telling you this because that's where I came from. Okay, and I think it's very important that you realize this, that you're not a victim. You can be a victor. Yeah, 
And I've heard that many, many times um, in my life, that excuse of, well, you don't understand, you don't know how I was raised, you don't understand my dad was like this, you don't understand how, uh, you know, I can't get married because, you know, my dad screwed up my father image, my man, you know, the man image in my head, and therefore I can't, I'm, I'm going to self-sabotage my life and never get married because I'm going to make it all about that screwed up relationship. It's easy to you know? blame our parents for everything. Exactly. But at some point, you have to grow up and own up to your own life and future, no matter what. I mean, when you're 21, you got to stop blaming your parents. You got to say, okay, you know what? I had, I had crappy parents for this, for that reason. I'm just going to seek help. I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to make it my life's mission to put this in my past so I can move forward. Exactly, because your parents do not determine your future. Whatever you've gone through, whatever you've lived, um, you know, as unfortunate as it may be, um, I've seen so many people rise above that, determined to prove their parents wrong or determined to become a success because that's what they wanted. They did not want to fall in the same footsteps as their parents and wanted a different life. Mm -hmm. So I encourage you to do the same thing if you need to get help. Uh, you know, you can sometimes it's not a bad idea to see a psychologist for a certain time just to get those spider webs out of your head and help you to uh, focus on the right things. Yeah. And that brings us to number eight, which is procrastination. Everybody has a dream, but when it comes to taking action, most procrastinate. They wait until they're ready until that perfect moment, that perfect time where they think they're going to be ready for that thing. They're waiting for the stars to align. So I know people that even are waiting for the perfect time when they feel that they have read all the books uh, imaginable on relationships before they can even begin to start dating to find that person. I mean, you know, there are things in life you have to just dive in, try things, and live you know these moments and discover what works and what doesn't as you go along you know there's there's never that perfect plan that perfect moment that you're going to feel ready to do whatever it is that scares you if it's something that scares you you're never going to feel fully ready you're going to have to dive in and say you know what i just have to do this yeah. and i'm just going to dive in and learn as i go yeah procrastination can be very very subtle sometimes you are going to train yourself to death you're going to follow one training another training another training all this time kidding yourself or lying to yourself well what i'm really doing is getting ready i'm i'm preparing myself for this whatever success you have in mind or goal or, or dream by training and training and training forever uh, i know some people who have like uh, three bachelor's degrees but they're Barely making 60000 a year. I mean, seriously, you went to school for nine years and you're making only 60000 a year. So you were procrastinating all this time. I mean, there's, all, there's so many ways one can procrastinate. Uh, and Basically, procrastination, procrastination is induced by fear. And uh, we need to face ourselves in the mirror and say, you know what? Yeah, I'm afraid. But action is a magic word. And it's this action that's going to get you out of that rut. Exactly. And, you know, I've I've done that, too, in my life, been in study mode. And, it, you know, it's a good thing to study and to keep on learning. But when it becomes a hindrance, when it becomes um, a point where 
you're kind of scared to Can do that action or to do that thing yeah. that you're supposed to do. And so you never feel ready. So you're like, I'm just going to study, study, hoping I feel ready. Yeah. And, you know, there's been times in my life where I, where I had to say, you know what? I don't know how to do this thing. And it doesn't and matter. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm just going to have to do it and apply action and learn as I go. And you can study along the way as you apply action. You don't Just have to, do it doesn't it. have to be one or, you know, so, yeah. but more action um, will event, you know, will help you to get out of that procrastination mode and will overcome those fears that you have. And there's also, you know, the other thing, like a lot of women uh, that have children procrastinate too, um, that are, I'm talking about women that are entrepreneurs or that are trying to accomplish something. They'll procrastinate because oftentimes they're in that comfort zone of what they need to do for their children. And so they always like kind of procrastinate thinking, well, eventually I'll get to this. Eventually I'll get to that because they, they're kind of scared of the unknown of what mm -hmm. that's going to bring or how that's going to change in their life of what they know right now. And some women are so, you know, had a hard time to get into a routine that actually worked for their family. Mm -hmm. So now they're kind of scared to redo all that um, and to include their business in that because they know that it's going to rock the boat and it's going to make, you know, uh, things shaky and they're going to have to refigure out new things and new routines. So I've been in that mode too at one point where I realized that that was a, a problem for me and that I had to, you know, just say, you know what, I need to do this thing. I'm going to do it and apply that action and then say, well, you know, I'll just figure it out. I'll figure out that new routine and my kids will figure it out. My husband will figure it out and we'll all eventually find, you know, that new routine that works for all of us. And I just noticed something while you were talking. I was just uh, realizing that the word procrastination within the letters that form the word procrastination, you have the word inaction. Yeah. Inaction. Inaction, procrastination, same thing. You're not active. You're not doing it. You're not being active or proactive. Uh, you don't have an action bias. And that's going to keep you from success for sure. I think it's one of the worst enemies, actually, of success. Yeah. Procrastination. It is. And you know what? I've noticed even in this world of social media and online world, and I've noticed a lot of successful people, that's their biggest strength is that they're fast action takers. They are. When they get the buzzword on a certain platform, on a certain thing that they know everybody's supposed to do, that, you know, I don't know, in six months, it's going to be the peak thing. They are fast action implementers Boom. to do that course or to do that thing, to implement that thing so that they're in the peak of when things rise, they're in the game. And that's why they make a lot of money. That's why they're you know, and the top of their game before everybody else because they are fast action takers. Amen to that. Well, Eleanor Roosevelt said this famous quote, every day do something that, that scares, scares you. And that is a great antidote against procrastination. Number nine. Number nine is lack of persistence. And uh, <laughs> I've, I've just been doing a challenge that was issued by uh, a coach that I'm listening to. He said, for 14 days straight, read the chapter in Think and Grow Rich on persistence. And he said, it's not for you to understand what persistence is, but rather it's to see where your mindset issues will pop up and give yourself excuses to quit. And that's exactly what it does. I mean, the challenge itself 
Uh, obviously, yeah, when you've read it three, four times, five times, you start to get a good grasp on what the chapter is saying and, 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 and everything. But it's not, it's not about that. It's really about realizing who you are in the face of taking uh, consistent action and being persistent. So I can tell you, during the 14 days, I, I did pretty good. I mean, I'm not, I'm not Superman, but I thought I would do much worse. <laughs> I, I told Liz, when I first started, I told Liz, I said, you know what? It's going to really show me my ugly side. And I expected worse from myself. I expected to really see like the, the, the monsters that would stop me from being persistent throughout the, the challenge, the 14-day challenge. Uh, but I wasn't so bad. And I realized one thing. Actually, it was a good thing. I realized I'm more persis persistent than I thought. But the challenge is hard. Uh, I almost tripped at the finish line. Yesterday was my last day of reading the chapter on persistence. And I almost went to bed forgetting to read it. And the thing is about that challenge, the coach said, if you fail, it, it, let's say you, you read it 13 days out of 14, and on the 14th day you fail, you have to go back to the beginning and start another 14 days. So that would have been really awful to start over after tripping at the last day and not, not doing it. So for those who haven't read the book, how many pages is that chapter? Ah, oh, geez. It starts, in my version of the book, it started at page 217 and ended at page 241. So uh, it's a good, uh, I would say, 25 pages. Okay. Yeah. So that gives you guys an idea. So it's not uh, that easy for those of you that hate reading. It was a good half hour of reading every day. Exactly. So, yeah. So the other thing that I want to mention, and I heard him, uh, the coach talking about this, is that basically you're discovering the lies that you tell yourself to quit. So every time you're like, oh, I, I don't have time to read this, or I shouldn't be reading this because I already know this stuff, yeah. or you know whatever it is that you're telling yourself, you need to jot down. Because you're gonna have to, re you're gonna notice that the these certain things come back. These and are your excuses. Those are your excuses of why you're failing, yeah. basically. So it's to, it's the exercise is really to analyze what excuses you're telling yourself that make you fail on a daily basis. Yeah, and persistence is really really difficult when you don't have any results, uh, especially when you're starting out. When when you're starting out on a project or or something that you want to do for yourself. The beginning stages are where most people quit, you know, uh, one or two rejections or, or, or uh, it's not going the way you expected. It's harder than you thought. That's when most people quit. Human beings are natural quitters. And that comes in a way from nature. <laughs> I know it's, it sounds weird to say. Uh, for example, in nature, uh, mammals like lions and, and, and tigers and, and these ferocious predators will always try to expend the least energy for the maximum results. If they have to chase a gazelle, if they see, when they start running after it, if they see that this is a lost cause, they're going to quit right away because they have to preserve their energy for survival. Human beings, in a way, we're kind of similar to that. We, we have to preserve, we have to preserve our energy uh, for, to, to, to feel like we're surviving, right? And, and that's the way we grow up with a mindset like that. So when you start something and you realize that you're going to need to persist, the first knee-jerk reflex reaction that you have in your brain is to 
quit. And you're going to have all kinds of reasons that tend to tell you to quit that, and most of them make, really make sense. This is going to be too hard. This is going to take too long. Your family and friends are already mocking you. Uh, and it, there's all kinds of reasons that are going to pop up and going to be like, well, I'm going to quit. And Napoleon Hill in the book said the same thing when uh, Andrew Carnegie uh, commissioned him, said, you should write this book. It was an amazing idea. It had never been done before. Hence the problem. Right away, Napoleon Hill says in the book, just how the excuses started showing up in his brain at a faster rate that he could handle. Mm. It's never been done. Who do you think you are? You're not that good a writer. It's going to take too long. These guys, these millionaires won't want to talk to you. Your friends are going to laugh at you. What are you going to live on? He says that the excuses started piling up like crazy. But he kept at it. He kept at it nonetheless. But he realized very early on that this would be a major hurdle to overcome, the persistence thing. Exactly. And that brings us to number 10, negative personality. So, you know those people that always seem to cl complain about things but never change them. How about the people who always tell you that they can't do something? Can't, can't, can't. Thinking negatively will only ever bring you a negative life. Yeah. Now, we all have people that surround us that are like this. And if you listen, if you've done any personal development and you've changed any of these things, you know right away that you have to retrain your brain and retrain your thoughts to think positively if you're going to get anywhere. Yeah, right? absolutely. So when you start doing that and you're on a journey of doing that and you block those negative uh, stinking thinking feelings, those <laughs> thoughts then you automatically notice right away when you're around people that have these negative beliefs and negative uh, negative personalities that all they ever say is, I can't do this, I'm overwhelmed, uh, you know, this is hard, uh, I wish my life was different. And then you start giving them advice on how they can change things, uh, how they can you can change things for them and how they can, you know, improve their life if they do this, if they do that. And all of a sudden, this just, oh, you don't know. I don't have time. You don't understand. Oh, my kids would, you don't know. I, like, it's just overwhelming enough with my kids and with doing this. It's like all the excuses just pile on, pile on, pile on. They have a problem for every solution. Exactly. <laughs> so those people, unfortunate as it may be, are so negative in their mindset. They've made it such a big part of their life that they can't even begin to even imagine themselves doing what you're talking about because in their mind, it's just, I can't, I can't, I can't. And that's all that comes out. So negative personality, if you're like that, if you have these, you know, I know I used to be very sarcastic and I, I, I kind too. of, you know, had these negative comments, a lot of things um, when I started out um, and I had to do a major shift. Like I really had to do a major shift and understand that, that wasn't that was just keeping me stuck that wasn't going to help me to think you know to get these great ideas to get myself out of the trouble i was in and to learn and grow because i was just focused on the black stuff in my life and like the scripture says we have to take every thought captive to christ and uh, also like uh, philippians uh, chapter 4 verse 8 says think on the good things everything that is pure noble godly uh, wonderful Think on these things. Why does Paul admonish us to, to, to think on these things? Because it's going to keep you strong mentally. Uh, you cannot have a negative personality 
and a positive mindset or a strong mindset. It doesn't go together, okay? And and I know what I'm talking about because I used to be excessively negative. I was very depressed for most of my 20s. So I know what being negative is. And, and we negative people, we like to think, well, I'm not negative, I'm a realist. So we like to cover it up uh, thinking that we're actually smarter than other people because we're realistic. No, we're, we're most, for the most pessimistic. part, we're, we're pessimistic, we're negative, and uh, nothing great has ever been accomplished by someone who's negative. Exactly. Okay, so here's the thing. It's true that negative people will, uh, negative or, or, or most, more, mostly pessimistic people, will be able to assess a situation with greater accuracy than positive people. That is a proven scientific fact. There's only one slight problem. The positive people, although they're not right 100% of the time, they are happier 100% of the time. So what do you want in life? Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? (laughs) And here's another thing. You can be both, okay? So you can still keep for yourself that that, um, accuracy and judgment, but develop a positive mindset that will help you to overcome whatever odds are against you. So it, it's a it's a it's a, it's not a it's not a bad thing to be born as a negative person. You can overcome it, and it's actually going to make you more wholesome. Because I, I've I've seen people who are naturally who are born positive, natural positive, and it's true that sometimes they just lack judgment. They seem to be living in dreamland, and I get that, but they're happier so much more of the time. So you need to, to get the good from, from what they have because you want to develop that. That's that enthusiasm, that energy they have. You want to get that. And negative people don't have that. So by being positive, you're going to get to there. But you can keep also that, that realistic outlook. I mean, good leaders always set a realistic tone for anything. They're going to be positive and encouraging, but at the same time, they're going to be like, you know what, team? This is going to be hard, but we can do this. Mm-hmm. So they, they have this this duality of, of uh, the way they look at things. So you can be both, and I urge you to be both. Yeah, and another thing that's really important is that when you're negative, you um, don't realize that your energy is draining, okay? So um, you feel heavy, uh, you can't see positive, your mind feels like it weighs a ton, and that just drains your energy. It just sucks out everything out of you. And people around you that you keep around you that are like that will draw, draw you out. They'll yeah. literally suck the energy out of you. Oh, yeah. Because you just keep on trying to help them, trying to help them. And they don't want help. They just want to whine and whine and whine. That's all they want is a yeah. listening ear um, and shoulder to cry on. But they don't want to change their life. So there's people that you'll be able to help. And there's suckers. others that don't want help, yeah. that just want to, to, you know, that will basically just drain you. So you have to see how being more positive actually gives you more energy and will help you to be a better problem solver, Amen. which successful people are. They're very good problem solvers because they don't let uh, the the you know, the little things that happen in life or the big things happen in life, shake them down too long. They get back up. They try to be positive. They try to think, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to get myself out of this, or I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to get an action plan. And they focus on the right things. So that's why they're not negative. Amen to that. Now for that next point, make sure that if you're playing this out loud in the house, that the kids are not around this is um, just for adults only we're going to talk among adults here so just get the kids out 
And we're going to talk on point 11, okay, about the 30 major causes of failure, lack of controlled sexual urge. Now, this is a very interesting point that Hill makes in his book, okay? And most people will deny that this one affects them, but it does. Sexual stimulus has the power to influence people into action more than any other type of energy. And Hill devoted a whole chapter in the book about this very fact. It's scientifically proven that the, the, uh, the sexual urge, especially in men, will lead them to accomplish great things when they are in love, when they, are, um, uh, when they want to impress a woman, especially back in the day when uh, women kept themselves for marriage. The man had to prove that he was worthy of that woman. And that sexual urge was channeled in such a way that even men of lower means would develop the backbone to accumulate uh, either a good job, a good paying job, a fortune, or whatever was needed to get that hand of the woman they loved in marriage. So it was channeled in, in that way. And even the scripture, uh, I think it's in Proverbs chapter 30, um, the, the mother of, was it Remuel or Agur? I, I don't have the, the passage with me. But she basically admonishes him, don't give your strength to women. In other words, don't dissipate that, that uh, controlled sexu sexual urge, uh, don't dissipate it in, in, in too many uh, directions. Focus it on one woman. And that was, we remember from the scriptures, Solomon's undoing. We know that all of his multi-multi, uh, hun well, hundreds of wives and concubines was one of his Achilles heel, what led him to his downfall. It was uncontrolled sexual urge. Uh, Samson, same problem. Uncontrolled uh, sexual urge led him to his downfall. It made him to lead to a bad decision where he confided in Delilah about what would uh, take away his strength. And even like to this day, you're like, why did he do that? It was uncontrolled sexual urge. And that's how he lost his strength because he, he, he didn't have that control over his body. Even occultists, uh, and I don't, I don't want to go too long on this, but we know that there's some bad stuff happening in, in, in occult circles where Satanists and Luciferians will, will do, you know, sexually stuff, sexual sacrifices because they want to uh, gather the energy off of the ritual and stuff like that. So I, I don't want to go into de details in that. But the point is, God has gifted human beings with a sexual energy that can, if well-channeled, lead them to tremendous achievements. But if not well-channeled, will lead them down a path of even ruin in some cases. And to adding to that, we could also mention any type of addiction is dissipated energy. Alcoholism, drug abuse. See, Napoleon Hill, I don't think it's, one, it's in one of the 30 causes of failure. I'm not sure, but I, I, didn't, I don't remember if it's in there. But it could be added to that also. Any type of addiction will stop a human being from achieving greater results in their life. Absolutely. Anything to add, Liz? You think, you think that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, th 
we we know about it we've heard a lot about it you know there's a lot of uh, guys in the church that have a hard time with pornography and all kinds of different addictions and, and it hinders their their spiritual walk it's here it hinders their spiritual walk with god it hinders their relationship with their wife and it ruins their business as well because you need you know to to have a, um, a healthy sexual relationship between your wife and your husband and that's it you know to to be you know solely engaged in each other and everything else all that other energy needs to go on your family life on your business and it just that's just the way that god made us remember uh, in rocky mickey what you told rocky yeah. <laughs> stay away from that dame women weaken legs <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a well-known in boxing circles that when there's a big prize fight coming, a lot of boxers decide to keep that quote-unquote sexual energy for the ring. So, so they want to explode it in the ring it, 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 through their fists. So they're keeping from their, their girlfriend or wife for that time of training until the, the day when they're in the ring where the testosterone is at its maximum and they can just explode on their opponent. It's a well-known fact. It's interesting. Exactly. So the number 12 is uncontrolled desire for something for nothing. So we see that especially with the millennials right now and uh, the younger generation. And I think this has always you know, existed. Everybody wants something for nothing. They just want to be takers and, you know, they want to build businesses uh, with basically investing no money and having it done really, really easy and be millionaires like in two months, right? So I think, you know, if uh, we have this mentality, we're not going to survive very long and we're not going to build an empire. We're not going to build a successful business because everything worthwhile is uphill like Amen. john maxwell says Amen to that. so you can't you know you know basically these these companies that are promising quick riches are basically just wanting to recruit people to do the work for them um, and they do all these promises and oftentimes unfortunately most of these companies don't last they fail or they don't pay out what they're supposed to pay their reps and stuff. So it's very dangerous to, you know, as an entrepreneur, um, especially if you're young and, you know, you don't have a lot of money, probably you're very sucked into these rich, uh, quick, rich scams that are out there. And there are a lot. There's so many online. It's insane. And I, I and I have to confess, back when back in the day when I was struggling financially, I used to look for these. I used to look for ways online to, to, to make money fast or do a quick fix for the situation. And you know, God showed me that, no, this is going to be uphill. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. And it's going to take exchange, like uh, Napoleon Hill says in his book, exchange of equivalent service. Napoleon Hill talks about that a lot in Think and Grow Rich, that money will come to you when you're willing to exchange equivalent service for it, quality service stuff that people are looking for, stuff that people need, uh, which comes down to saying what Zig Ziglar used to say, you know, that uh, the more people you, people you help, the, the more money you'll make, you know? Exactly. So when you're able to help other people, that's when success uh, is found oftentimes. So you really have to have this mind that it's going to take, you have to be minded that it's going to take time. You know, it's funny because a lot of people that join MLMs and, you know, marketing companies, direct sales and all that, 
They think that they're going to get rich right away. And they don't realize that, you know, it take, it's a process. You have to learn. You have to become. All these things can take more time for certain individual, individuals. It's not just about doing the thing that's going to produce the results. Sometimes it's who you have to become in the process that's going to give you the result that you're looking for. And that can take mm-hmm. time. Yeah. That's why you hear about, you know, people in those industries making real money, like big amounts of money only after six, seven years. That's because they had a whole growth process to go through. They had to become that certain leader to get that certain result. So you're you're never going to get, you know, millions of dollars by just doing working your brains out for 80 hours a week for three months and go, oh, I'm a billionaire. That It just doesn't happen that way. There you go. Number 13, lack of a well-defined power of decision. So Napoleon Hill talks about how good decision makers are able to make quick decisions and then change them slowly, as opposed to the other way around. See, most people are slow to make decisions and change them quickly. Those are the people who fail in life. But the people who succeed are the opposite. So they make quick decisions and change them slowly. Okay, so that's that's a big contrast between the failures and the successes in the world, okay? So the ability to make quick decisions is incredibly important for success. After all, if you're unable to make decisions, then you're not gonna be able to build a business. That's for sure. We make thousands of decisions every day. So this ability is key. It's key, it's key. And I used to be, again, one of those slow types, analytical, uh, always uh, overanalyzing, analyze, paralyze, they say, you know. And uh, that's just just gonna kill uh, your success very, very fast. You need to take decisions, to make decisions fast. Uh, A good trick for that, Get up in the morning and just say 50 times, do it now, do it now, do it now, do it now, do it now. Say that 50 times when you get up in the morning. You know what that's going to do? It's going to take your brain to the place of the thing you need to do. It's really mad. It's like, it works like magic. If you say, do it now, do it now, do it now, do it now. Repeating that 50 times actually takes you to the thing that you really need to do now. And it's oftentimes the thing that you most fear to do. And, you know, a lot of people have the fear of making the wrong decision. And that's why they, you know, kind of ponder and ponder and and try to think of, you know, how they can, you know, be sure to achieve success if they, you know, a lot of the decisions we take, we won't know for sure if it's going to give us success. But you have to make that decision and back it up by action. Say, you know what? I really believe by looking at this whole situation and analyzing not too long, but, you know, making a clear decision saying, you know, I need to go in this direction. And um, it's it's really, really crucial to your success. If you take too much time deciding either, you know, other people are going to act faster and accomplish what you want to do and beat you to it. Or you'll just stay in that paralyzed mode and you won't get any success because you're not able to make clear, defined decisions. And another thing that Hill says in the book is that most ideas are stillborn because they're not followed with immediate action. So immediate action obviously comes from a decision. And you know, when we get a great idea, and it's happened to me many times, if I let it fester, if if I don't act on it quickly, 
I'm not going to implement it. I'm just not going to do it. So it won't become a decision. The idea will remain at the idea stage and won't become a decision and then a plan and a success. So that's another thing that you need to understand that the quickness of decision will give birth to your idea faster. And the other thing that I struggled with, you know, sometimes we're very creative people or we have an entrepreneurial spirit and we want to start all kinds of different things. Like we have so many different projects, so many things that we want to do. And then we're like, you know, kind of limbo in between these things and, you know, putting energies in all these different pockets, if you want. And next thing we realize that we're not getting any results because our attention is so divided, mm -hmm. right? So it's important sometimes to say, I'm going to make this decision to go in this direction, be 100% focused on that one thing. And I don't have to say no to all those things. I'm just saying no right now. And you can come back to one of those ideas or try another project once you finish project number one. And for, the, for me, that was a real key thing because my energy was so devoted to so many different things that I wanted to do that I wasn't focused 100% on that one thing that I needed to fulfill and finish before I would get to the other thing. Yeah. So number 14, now we're going to tackle a huge, huge obstacle to success. One or more of the six basic fears. In the book, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill describes the six basics, basic fears that all humans have in life, in life, in their life. The basic fears are, number one, the fear of poverty. What we call today oftentimes is a scarcity mentality, okay? <laughs> scarcity mentality makes us do all kinds of crazy things, right? And that's due to fear. Number two, the fear of criticism. This one is huge. This one has hindered me more times than I can remember, especially when I was younger. Number three, the fear of ill health or malady or being sick. Number four, the fear of loss of love. Number five, the fear of old age. And number six, and not the least, the fear of death. Possessing one of these six basic fears may also be one of the major causes of failure. It's important to remember in these circumstances that we all eventually die. Hello, right? Therefore, we have nothing to lose. And the fear above, especially the fear of death, should not keep us from living our dream life. I'm not going to go in detail on the six fears. They're very well explained in the book. But the fear of poverty, we said, is oftentimes... Uh, our decisions will be motivated by lack instead of motivated by obtaining more. Yeah, so, you know, some excuses that I can give you that match these fears very easily is I don't have the money to do this business. I don't have money to become successful. I can't invest in this and that uh, because I'm not rich enough. This false thinking of, well, you ha you're going to be successful because you've had that lump sum that appeared out of nowhere from a parent or from somebody and that you invested it and therefore you became rich. Everybody that's successful, most people have started with nothing. Mm -hmm. So that fear of, you know, uh, I'm too poor to do it or I don't have enough is not a good excuse because people have done it in your situation. 
um, fear of criticism. I can't do this because I'm too scared of what my dad thinks. I'm too scared of what my sister thinks. I have all this these negative comments from my friends and family. Therefore, I'm going to stop from being successful because I care more about what these people think. Amen. And, and the fear of what your spouse think. I've seen this. It's a plague in entrepreneurship. A lot of entrepreneurs don't persist. They, don't, they, they lose their persistence because their spouse criticizes what they're doing. And that is, that is huge. And you got to overcome that. If you really believe in what you're doing, even what your spouse says, unless it's leading you to a divorce, and I need to, to put that right because it's important. You want to keep your marriage strong, but you got you to gotta let that go. If they're just critical, just keep going. It doesn't matter. I mean, just, just do the thing that you're called to do. Yeah, and you have to be mindful, you know, that if your husband isn't doing any personal development at all or vice versa, it's, you know, you're going to get that feedback because yeah. they're not growing at the level that you're growing. So they can't see the bigger picture until you start having some success and they start seeing, okay, this is actually bringing fruit. This is actually working. Therefore, their opinion of you might change. And it might not, you know, some, some people just you know, have a hard time with other people's success because unfortunately, um, you know, they don't love them enough to cheer them on or they're disappointed in their own failures of becoming what they're supposed to become. So they, instead of, you know, looking at themselves, they'd rather drag the other person down with them. So that happens too. Um, The fear of ill health. You know, I've heard so many people with you know, and when I say bubbles, like different little things that they have that they may blow up into making this huge disease almost out of it. Yeah. When it's not that big of a deal and there's other people still doing, you know, what they're supposed to do in, you know, in and they spite have cancer of, and they have cancer in you know? spite of. And some others know? will will not be doing what they should be doing because they cut their finger, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, we can find all kinds of excuses to to stop us from doing a certain thing, but a lot of people mind over matter have, you know, successfully gotten through certain things and you know, sometimes it's even because of their perseverance and their determination and with God's help that they actually healed themselves because they were so focused on something bigger than them that was purposeful that was going to, you know, change humanity or help humanity that they didn't focus on their their negative health or on their you know present yeah. uh, dire situation and it helped them heal it helped them get through it yeah um, and another thing is when you start grinding at your business whatever you're starting that project you're starting you know how much energy it takes to get something going when it and it's in beginning stages right oftentimes it's so taxing energy wise and on our bodies that's when we get can get the, the fear of ill health and quit as a, as a result uh, that's what like instead of working 30 to 40 hours all of a sudden you find yourself working 65 to 70 hours and you're like I'm gonna get sick I'm gonna get, oh, I'm gonna get sick so you get, you get scared that you're gonna get sick because you're working too long and you don't have that that downtime in front of the TV anymore and you're thinking oh I'm pushing myself too hard I'm gonna get sick well yeah obviously if you keep thinking that you are gonna get sick <laughs> first of all but it's it, it's a fear that develops for some the people who are basically not used to putting in more effort, more hours, and all that. That can be a fear that develops then. Number four, the fear of loss of love. Closely related to the fear of criticism, but the fear of loss of love has to do more with what we mentioned earlier, your spouse. You're doing the thing, 
and you're being criticized by your spouse and you're thinking he or she's going to leave me. Oh, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose my, my, my sweetheart or whatever over this. And that can really stop you in your tracks. And sometimes it's, it's not unfounded fear. Sometimes it's just because they're criticizing you and you think, well, they're criticizing me. Therefore, if I keep going, they're going to leave me. Not necessarily. They might just disapprove of that part of your life and, and they don't really care about the rest. They still love you. You know, I think the, the biggest thing is the quality time. I think it's really important to always make quality time for the priorities, for the people that matter the most in your life, your kids and your spouse. I think that I've seen, you know, so many relationships bust because of this, because entrepreneurs have, you know, this drive and they don't realize that they're gone many hours or that they're busy doing their own thing. They're driven, they're pulled, they're excited. <clears throat> and when they come home and share that excitement, oftentimes they don't get the same, you know, encouragement or the same applaud or positive feedback. But that's oftentimes because their family feels neglected. And so it's important for you guys to carve out some vacation time, some quality time, you know, it, it could just be you know, once a day where you carve out this block of time where you say, okay, I'm giving my undivided attention to my family and I'm not going to touch my phone and I'm not going to look at my stupid yeah. phone and I'm not going to, you know, even answer it or I'm going to turn it off and I'm just going to be with them and find out how their day went and be connected. You're bringing in their a really life. good point. You're bringing a really good point. If you make your spouse feel like they're the priority in your life, you won't have the fear of the loss of love because you'll know you're doing the right things. You're, you're setting the right things first you know, and second in your priorities. Yeah. And talk it over, you know, for, for your wife, maybe what she really, really needs is a date night on a certain day that you carve out that time. And yeah. for her every week, it's like something she looks forward to and she needs that. Or maybe she, you know, needs to feel more connected with you, exchanging texts once in a while during the day. Like, you know, there's different things. Like if you discuss why she feels neglected or why she feels like she's not getting enough quality time, um, you know, you'll find out what the little tweaks that you can do in your day and your week that makes a difference. And um, also including your family in your vision is super crucial. Like oftentimes your wife or your kids won't understand why you're doing this because they don't see the bigger picture. So it's important to share with them, you know, the good feedbacks that you're getting from um, people that you're helping or uh, you know, bring them to where it is, where your office is, like include them in the process. You know, there's times where we've included our kids in book signings um, and, and even videos that we've done to make them feel like they're part of this, for them to feel excited about what we're doing, um, you know, or we've given them perks if we're doing the podcast and they're quiet, you know, we've given them incentives and this, you know, this all helps everybody work together. Yeah. Uh, number five, the fear of old age. I know some, some people who have handicapped themselves, who have failed because they fear they're getting too old. They just, they just fear that they, they, oh, I'm too old. I'm too, oh, I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> they're older. They're like, they might be 40 years old, but they're like 75 in their heads, you know? Yeah. And that is a fear that's going to hinder a lot of people because they, they just, they're just haunted by whole old age or whatever. They think they are at in their life and and it's closely linked to number six the fear of death 
The fear of death is not something that most Christians have. Most Christians, thank God, we, uh, we have a hope for after we die. So that is not something that would probably affect any of you. I'm hoping anyway, I'm hoping that you've read your Bible, you know the end of the story, you know where you're going after you die. So you have nothing to fear really. But for some people out there, yeah, fear of death is uh, something that haunts their, the whole of their life. And they're, they're, as a result, they're not fully living. They're so afraid of dying, they're not fully living. Yeah, I know uh, people that are very close to me that are so focused on all their ailments and all their age. And every time they go through a new birthday, it's the end of the world. And you know what? That's, That's all a sign of that person not fulfilling their God-given purpose. Because when you're fulfilling your God-given purpose, you're excited Every year goes by and you're like, oh, I actually, like, I'm running out of time. Like, I have to do more. I have to do more in this short time because I don't know how long I'm going to live. And so it's a very different mindset from, uh, you know, I'm, I don't have much, much to look forward to my life. My life is over and this and that. And looking at everybody else around them, golfing, and that's life. And, you know, so I have to be doing the same thing when unfortunately it's sad but a lot of people have not fulfilled their purpose even mm -hmm. at 60 65 years old yeah. and they shouldn't be thinking of retirement they should be thinking of what that thing should be and yeah it's it, there's still they, time exactly there's still, still time ticking. there's still time and that's gonna make them feel fulfilled and and happy you know for the remainder of the years and they might live till 90 doing the thing that they love colonel sanders was 65 years old when, when he, he found it when he started uh kentucky fried chicken uh, and and the rest is history right so now we reached the 15th reason uh why people fail wrong selection of a mate in marriage now that that reason why people fail is before you marry. So oftentimes it happens when you're younger, but it is so key to everything else because it's going to affect so many years afterwards, how you live, how you think, how you feel on a daily basis. So there's a saying that says, keep your eyes wide open before marriage and half closed after marriage. <laughs> so before you marry, make sure that you're marrying the person that's going to help you become more, not a person that's going to uh, step on you and belittle you and make you feel like, like dung. You need that person who's going to empower you, uh, encourage you, not a person that's going to uh, make you feel miserable. And that has been a cause of failure of so many people because they're just in the wrong relationship. They just married the wrong person. Yeah, and if you marry somebody, this is a very important point to look at. If you marry somebody that is happy in their skin and generally a positive person that's, you know, knows where they're going in life, generally speaking, they're going to be the type of person that's going to cheer you on. If they're negative, if they are, you know, the type of person that's always pessimistic and you know you're kind of the positive person trying to uplift them all the time well oftentimes what happens is that when you go on your own journey to success they're your lead balloon yeah they're really the person dragging you down and that's because they're unhappy and they haven't fulfilled their purpose and they don't know where they're going so they just hate looking at you knowing where you're going and oftentimes that happens with successful women um, and they end up divorcing because the man just 
doesn't know how to get out of his rut uh, yeah. where he's stuck in. Yeah, and, and, and we've seen that many times, unfortunately. Uh, the opposite is true. I've seen women date men um, that you know are very, very um, strong-typed leaders, and they have a very, very hard time with the fact that their soon-to-be wife isn't just following them, cheering them on, being a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Like they have you know, no respect for, uh, their, their wife doing anything else, but, um, you know, baking cookies and, and being by their side, encouraging them being, like I said, like a cheerleader, they don't want that wife, that new soon to be wife to have her, her own goals and her own dreams. Mm -hmm. And that's very unfortunate when, um, women fall in, in love with somebody like that. They want that strong type leader, but sometimes some of these men, um, are not the the right person for us because they won't be cheering us on in our dreams. Yeah, absolutely. No, no. Whether you're a man or woman, you need someone who's going to be on your team cheering you on, no matter what you decide in life. Okay. So uh, and to work together. I mean, if you can possibly have the same, you know, not everybody has the same interests, but at least if you can understand each other's worlds and try to encourage each other, even if it's not something that you per personally do or understand fully at least have an, a listening ear you know to understand the your your spouse's concerns and, and struggles and and encourage them regardless absolutely so look guys we reached the end of this first episode of our two-part episode series on the 30 major causes of failure we hope this has been a good mirror for you guys so far and maybe looking at yourself and saying, hmm, I suffer from point, I don't know, two, five, and seven <laughs> or whatever points you found yourself in. Uh, I know that we shared our own story as we went. We, we gave you guys a, a, where we struggled and we'll keep doing so in the second episode when we go with the next 15 as we reach the 30 re- major reasons of major causes of failure. So again, if you haven't subscribed to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, go to thrivingonpurpose.com. You can subscribe on the first page and get some cool free resources. So we wish you a great week. Be blessed. And thrive on. For more free resources and content, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com 